and remain standing, please take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 13. Once again, I want to thank all the folks that helped out with Bible school. Uh, there's a, a lot goes into Bible school. A lot of stuff goes into it and a lot of things behind the scenes people don't ever see. But uh, I thank the Lord for all of you that helped us. Uh, to, to get it done, and uh, we made it through, and uh, the kids got a blessing out of it. I saw they were very excited, and uh, I, I think they might have been hoarse by the end of the week, and all the screaming and the yelling we did, but we had a great time. But I appreciate everybody that helped out some way or another, and uh, if you were there, you helped out somehow. If, if, if you didn't, I mean, there's so many things got done, but also the encouragement. Uh, you know, the kids seeing even the adults participating is an important thing. And so I think it was a blessing to all the kids, and I have to say it was a blessing to me too. And uh, I just I enjoy uh, the, the kids and uh, seeing them in the Bible school. Romans chapter four, 13, Romans 13, verse number 11. We'll read verses 11 through 14. I'll read verse 11, Joe on verse 12, and so on through verse 14. And that knowing the time that now... It is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering, uh, chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And uh, bringing the message from verse number 11, and where it says, now it's high time, it is high time to awake out of sleep. And, uh, but the time of my message is this, don't just wake up. Don't just wake up. And you'll see as we get into the message tonight. Father, thank you again for the time that we're able to be here in church. And it's a very special time to us on Sunday nights. As we gather here, and uh, Lord, uh, uh, what, a, what a blessing it's, it's been already to be able to sing these songs and to uh, have fellowship with each other, and uh, Lord, we, we love you. We even got to read the Bible here, and so I pray now as the preaching goes forth that you would bless in a mighty way. Speak to our hearts. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask once again, we invite you here. We want you here. We want you to speak to us, and Lord, I pray every one of us would desire that, and I believe if we'll desire that, you will. And so, Father, may, may you bless the service tonight. And if there be someone not saved, again, I ask that you save them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're not going to turn to it, but way back in the, in the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Jeremiah. And uh, he probably broke all the rules of, uh, of, uh, about preaching, uh, at least the rules that most Bible colleges would tell preachers and would-be preachers, uh, soon-to-be preachers, uh, they would tell them, don't do this. But Jeremiah was the kind of guy that he just, he, he kind of let it rip. He just kind of let it be said. Whatever God laid on his heart, he did it. I'm thankful for that. And uh, so he, he probably broke a lot of the rules. And, and, uh, but here's the thing about Jeremiah. He knew what God had to say. He knew what God had to say. Now you think about it, folks back in those days didn't have all the Bible we have today. And, you know, for a preacher not to know what God has to say, he's really not paying attention. The Christian doesn't know what God has to say is not paying attention whatsoever. 
Because we all have the complete Bible. All 66 books. There's not a word missing out of this King James Bible. I don't care what they try to tell you today. All the words are there. I believe the dotting of the I to the crossing of T is exactly right. Yeah, I know a lot, a lot of people, and, and more and more as days go by, don't believe that way, but we still believe that way. And, and uh, so tonight we can know what God has to say because we have a Bible. Uh, you have one, if you, and I oftentimes say, if you do not have a Bible, you don't have a King James Bible, see me. I promise you before you leave this building, you'll have a King James Bible. Uh, they're, they're inexpensive. You can all have one, and, and uh, anybody who really wants a Bible, I think, would get one. There's many different groups that are printing Bibles today and sending Bibles out, and, and uh, Bibles going all over the world. But it's sad. There's a lot of people in America that don't have a Bible because, and I think one of the main reasons why they don't is because they don't want one. And so I, I, I think about Jeremiah. He, ha, he knew what God had to say, and, and there were false prophets of his time, too. They were preaching a, a, a serenity and a peace of mind. And, uh, but they were saying this. They were saying in, in Jeremiah 6.14, they were saying, peace, peace. And then the Bible said, where there was no peace. They were talking about peace, but they didn't have any idea what peace is. You know, those preachers today preach about love, but have no idea what love is. They, they think they do. Oftentimes they talk about lust instead of love, and there is a difference. And, uh, I, and so, the, so I, and in Jeremiah's day, he had people preaching peace, peace, and, and where there was no peace. And the problem was that sudden destruction was hanging over their head. I mean, they were in trouble. A lot of things were going to happen. You see, God puts up with things for a while, and then he brings the hammer down. You know, I don't know, but I, I, I'm kind of thinking God's beginning to let the hammer down on America. I mean, I'm thankful for America. I'm still patriotic. I love America. I believe this. You don't like it, leave. You know, our kind was here first. But I tell you what, America, just because it's America, doesn't have a right to just do all the stuff that it's doing. And God judges sin. And I, I believe we're oftentimes we're seeing the judgment of, you know, uh, of God. I think sometimes we're seeing, we're getting what we ask for. You forget God, God says, all right. Do it on your own. And now we look and we think we're going to do it by voting. You don't change America by voting. It's not changing the one who's in the White House. It's changing everybody who's in the local house. And so the modernist, the, uh, you know, Jeremiah, he wasn't the one that was trying to uh, 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 be a tranquilizer to the people, trying to get them to think everything was all right when everything was not all right. And and uh, the modernist probably in his time would have said, you know, that Jeremiah, he's not good for the church. Why well, he's not bringing them that peace. But there was no peace. Jeremiah was warning about the problems that were about to come because of their sin. And so I'm sure that many of them, they didn't want anything to do with him. And, and uh, uh, he was kind of like preachers today that will put a salve on a cancer. That doesn't work. He's like, he's like those who dust off sin and, and those I read where someone said where, they, where the church is singing bright in the corner where you are when they ought to be saying get out of the corner and get busy. Amen. I don't know about you, but back in my days when you were in the corner, you were in trouble. Right? You know, Mark Bader, you go stand in that corner right there. You know, that was there because I was bad. We don't need, we, and I, I mean, that's all right. You like that song, fine. But I'll tell you this, it's time for us to get out of the corner. It's time for us to spread out. It's time for us to do something for God and not just sit there in the corner and try to brighten that little corner. We can go beyond that, I believe. But, you know, the experts, 
of, of the time of Jeremiah, they didn't want anything to do with him. But I like this too. He didn't have much to do with them either. He said, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you, what you think about me. You know, and, and that's what we ought to be. He said, preacher, sometimes people, they talk bad about our church. You know, well, let them talk bad about our church. I don't think God does. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not. And you ought not either. You say, but it's not perfect. Look in the mirror. There's why it's not perfect. It's because of you, not me. I mean, it's because of all of us. We're not perfect people. And, 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 you, and you know, that, that, that uh, here, the experts, they didn't want much to do with him, but he, he really didn't, he, he was saying like this, you know, I, I really don't care. If you're not for me, that's all right. It's kind of like this. If we take a vote of all the Martinsburg pastors tonight and find out if we ought to go soul winning, I don't think we would win the, the vote. Too bad. It was, well, you ought not preach, man. You know, if I said, hey, listen, we need to establish some standards in our churches. I'm afraid they would laugh us out and say, well, you're not welcome. But I'll tell you what, I've got a Bible. And I'm not going to run my life. I'm not going to run our church the way that the world says, but the way that God tells us in his word. I'm not going to compromise that. But one day in, extre- in an extreme time, uh, Zedekiah the king, and he needed to have some counsel, and so he went to went to the prison to see the, the prophet of God. You know, it's pretty sad when they put the man of God in prison. We're seeing it happen, I believe. We're real soon, and we're seeing it in some places. Where men of God preach the word of God, and they have things now called hate crimes. It's amazing. You could go and kill somebody and get out the next day, but if you preach against the gay people and all that stuff, all of a sudden it's a hate crime, and they want to throw you in the clink. It's kind of the way it was in Zedekiah's day. And I believe we're getting to a place where we're going to see more and more preachers put in prison for preaching the word of God. Now, in the New Testament, we have the Apostle Paul. Well, he was a firebrand too, wasn't he? He was a man who just, just taught, preached it like, it like it should be said. And, and Paul was in a Roman prison. Wow, how about that? Jeremiah was, and now Paul's in a Roman prison. You know, things aren't new. It's happened. It happened then. It'll happen again. And Paul in the, in the prison there, uh, he understood the times. In fact, he called the times that he lived in and said what would happen, that there will be perilous times. Boy, was he right. Well, understand this, too. He was inspired of God what to write. And so he, he writes about the perilous times would come. And I thought, you know, he, he understood that, and he was preaching to people where I'm sure they thought, what a crazy man that he was, but he was telling the truth. And, of course, we know that because of the inspiration of the Scriptures. But I began to think, you know, what was happening is happening right now. And tonight my outline is just three points, and I, I want to share with you three things that I believe are a real problem with us in America today and what a problem it is in our, even in our homes and in our churches And those three things tonight are this. Number one, it's anarchy. Number two, it's apostasy. And number three, it's apathy. Those are three things that are killing our nation, are killing our homes, and are killing our churches today. I'd like to talk to you about them a little bit this evening. As I mentioned, the first one there is is anarchy. And I thought, you know, anarchy controls more people today than I'm, I'm thinking maybe it seems like ever before. I mean, I, I grew up in the 60s, and I, I know what it was of the hippies and all the folks and, and, and all the people in Chicago and these big cities that were rioting. Some of you older folks remember that. And I mean, it scared me. It really did. I'd see on the news and Walter Conkright. Remember him? 
and uh, old Walter, he would tell about it, and, you know, and, and he would tell about all the riots going on. And I mean, we're 35 miles out of Chicago, and I'm thinking, good night. They're burning the place down. Gary, Indiana, where my wife lived there, she lived more on the outskirts of it, but Gary, Indiana. I remember we'd go down, down to Gary, and there was a J.C. Penney store downtown. And that was just about it, because every building you went by had been burnt out. The windows were knocked out of it. There was so much anarchy. Anarchy has never helped anything. And we're seeing that right in front of our faces. The word anarchy means this, a state of disorder due to the absence or non-recognition, listen to this, non-recognition of authority. There is such a thing as an authority. You know, we need to have, we need once again to have some authority in our homes, in our, I'd say this, even in our churches and in our government. And I'm not talking about ungodly authority, but I'm talking about spiritual authority that will stand up and say, this is what the Bible says, this is what happened. Wouldn't it be something if, if, if in, the, in the White House and, and, and both uh, uh, in, the, in the House and the, and, the, and the Senate and in the Supreme Court would be people that would say, you know what, we're tired of rebelling against God. We're tired of not listening to it. You say, preacher, what is the authority? The word of God is the authority for us all. The word of God. I'm thankful for the Constitution. But seriously, real authority is in the Word of God. We look at America today and we see what good anarchy is doing. We see in America the streets that are unsafe. You know, I thank the Lord for Martinsburg. But I, you heard me say that I talked to the state police one day and he says, you would be surprised what goes on in Martinsburg at night. You know, it's amazing the things that are happening in our little town here. And we could go down Tuna, a bigger town. We go to Bedford. We can go everywhere, and you'll find out. We go down to Williamsburg, you'll find out there's a lot of anarchy even, even there. Where people saying, there is no authority. I'll do what I want to do. That's a dangerous place to be. And I think about how that our cities are not safe. Our America has become almost like Sodom and Gomorrah. You say, what's the big deal about that? Well, remember when those, those men came there, the angels came to Lot's house? Well, everything was just great, wasn't it? They came to Lot's house, and they sent the welcome wagon. Remember the welcome wagon years ago? The welcome wagon came along, and what was it? It was a bunch of men. Well, I use the term loosely. They were sodomites, the homosexuals. And those men came there, and they said, hey, let, your, let those men, we want those men to come out. We want, we want to have relations with them. Let me ask you something. Is that the kind of safe city you want? The reason it was that way was because of their anarchy. They were saying nobody has authority, no authority from the word of God. And so I, I think, you know, I look at America today, and we're pretty much like, like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I, I was uh, reading an article about, in the news about, a, about, a, about a, a college, university, I think it was, or something like that, and they had a chapel. It was a so-called Christian school. They had a chapel. It looked like a cathedral. And they had all the students there lined up, and we had the, had the center aisle. And all of a sudden, down the center aisle, they had a, a, uh, uh, one of these uh, those cross-dressers, what do they call them? Drag queens. They had this drag queen walking down. What a drag queen is, a man dressed up like a woman, which is very disgusting. I probably ruined everybody's appetite for their Baptist snack tonight. It's sickening. And, 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 and you think about it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I see this, and here's this, this, this 
stupid-looking thing walking down the aisle of that chapel. And you know what was more disgusting? The students that were applauding. I don't understand it. Oh, yes, I do. It's called anarchy. We have no authority. The college is not going to tell us what to do. We're going to celebrate that thing. They're doing the same thing with our children in, the, in, in having reading story hours with little kids, kindergarten, and preschool there, and having drag queens come in. Folks, that is ungodly. They laugh about it. They think it's wonderful. They're pushing that. They make programs about it. They're, they're just pushing that all over, thinking that is a wonderful thing. It is destroying our country, destroying, destroying our homes. The reason they do it, because anarchy. They're threatening the justices of the Supreme Court. That's anarchy. You see, when you try to make a truce with the devil, you don't get guaranteed righteousness. I think this evening, and maybe some folks won't agree with me on this, but I think most of all you will. I'm not sure about everybody to listen to this when it's recorded and put online. But I believe we have a criminal government today. We have a criminal government. You say, well, why would you say something like that? It is criminal to kill babies. It is criminal what they're teaching today in our schools, and they're allowing it and they're pushing it. It's criminal what they're doing to the Americans today. And yet what happens, they, have to, they try calling it justice. <laughs> you know, they're saying, well, it's justice, but they're really criminal. You think about this. Somebody goes and gets pushed in front of a, a, a subway train. They get arrested, brought in, and they send them back out. You know what a lot of crooks do? They repeat. Just get it through your head. They repeat. And they learn that there is no authority that's going to keep them in jail. They go out and feel like they can do it. I was reading there that some of these people have been arrested like over 100 times. Over 100 times. Get arrested, go, go, be brought in, get fingerprinted, and sent right back on, on the street again. People are walking up and down just hauling off and slugging people in the face. I, I just read that one story about, I think it was 11-year-old. 11-year-old was beating an elderly person and kicking them in the face. I'm thinking, what in the world? And they're saying, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to have uh, reform and what they're doing that's criminal what they're doing. It just doesn't work. It's kind of like the little story about the hunter and the bear. The The bear one day was in the woods. He's walking around and looking for breakfast. About that time, all of a sudden, the hunter comes out, and he's looking for a new fur coat. So they come walking, they meet each other in the woods, and they began to discuss and compromise on what they can do. And when the meeting was all over, the bear had his breakfast, and the man was in his fur coat. (laughs) That's what happens when you try to compromise with the ungodly. You end up in the fur coat. Anarchy is not a friend to anybody. Anarchy's made our law enforcement be at their wits' end. I'm telling you what, I feel so sorry for police officers today. I feel so sorry for the children and the wives of police officers. You say, well, what about the husbands? I feel sorry for them too, but I think the women should be taking home, home taking care of the kids and let the men out there, amen. That's just thrown in for a little extra. I said, man, that's really, really I know, it's, it's really strange, but I still believe the authority. 
But I look and I think of all the police officers have been shot. I mean, almost, almost every day you hear about it. I know my brother's a police officer, and he, I was talking to him not too long ago. It's been a while, I guess, now. And he said to me this. He said, you know, Mark, he says, it's, it, it's so crazy out there. He said, every time I put my uniform on, I feel like I'm putting a bullseye on my back. It's terrible. The police are the restricted ones, and the criminals are the one that can do whatever they want to. Anarchy's made a shambles, though, not only of our cities, but anarchy's made a shamble out of our homes. You know, home ought to be a castle where you find this. In a castle, there is authority. In a castle, needs are met. In a castle, there's joy. In our homes, those same things ought to be found. And I, I think about the anarchy that goes on in our homes today where parents cannot get control of their kids. Let me say something. You don't wait till they're teenagers. You start them when they're little ones. You start them when they're real little. You know what we do? We sometimes we just laugh at their orneriness when we ought to be saying, hey, don't do that. And if they don't stop it, then you have some problems because of it. Amen. And, 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 and what's happening, I believe this is, this is one of the things that's happening today in American homes. And, and we've got to be careful as Christians that we do not teach anarchy to our children. You just do whatever you want. You know, that's, they're just their own person. Listen, you have the same thought life that the people that are trying to get your kids today to say what sex they are. They need to decide, no, God already said, and moms and dads need to say that's foolishness what they're telling you. You are what God made you and have some authority there. But the same thing when it comes to other things in the home. I can't, again, I can't believe this parents saying, well, I just couldn't make the kids come to church. You can make children come to church. If you start teaching them when they're small, they'll come to church. You say, well, they get older. I'm telling you this. I always had, had this. If you're living under my roof, you're doing what I say. You say, well, you, you just think you're the king of the house. <laughs> yep. She's the queen. And, 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 and uh, you say, well, well they, 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 they got to do their own thing. No, they don't have to do that. They want to do their own thing. They pay their way. They live out there and do their own thing, but you're under my roof. You're going to do what I say. I am the authority. So, oh, man, preacher, we can't act like that anymore. We can. We just won't. Anarchy. What was, what was anarchy? We said it's, it's a state of disorder due, due to absence or non-recognition of authority. Disorder will come in the house. I don't know about you, but I don't like disorderly things. That's why, you know, I... I, I want you to behave when you're in church. I want you to sit up and listen when you're in church. I want the kids to pay attention in Sunday school and listen there. Why? There needs to be, they, they need to understand they need these things right now. And, 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 and uh, 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 but what, what's happening, we, we see the anarchy, which is just bringing in all the rebellion there, saying, well, I'm going to do my own thing. That's why I'm always thankful for the kids in our church. You hardly know they're in here. I mean, sometimes you can smell them, but other than that, I mean, that's about all. What happens? They, you, you, you can, you, they, they, they behave themselves. There's no anarchy going on, thank the Lord. There's a reason behind that. Because moms and dads said, you better behave yourself or you're in big trouble. You know, and all the boys on the front row have probably all been told, the preacher's watching, I'm watching. You, he better not have to say anything or you're dead. Right? Yeah. 
Your grandpa says that to you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gary, he's the, he's the whipmaster. Amen. <laughs> Poor old Titus, he's got his dad behind him and his grandpa in front of him. He's got to behave himself, we hope. But you know, anarchy makes a heart a rebel heart. I'll do what I want to do. Teach a child when they're young, you don't do what you want to do, you do what I tell you to do. You say, what if they don't want to? Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. You know, I just phrase so many times, people just look at you like, you're so crazy for saying these things. Oh, you, you like the anarchy then? You see, the anarchist grows up. You know, we see these creeps out there on the streets and all their anarchy and all the stuff that they're doing in, in America today. And you wonder, where did they come from? You want to know where they came from? Homes. Homes where they're never taught anything and then went to schools that had no authority and let them do anything, think free. And then what happens? They got anarchy and they don't even know what they're doing. But not only is there anarchy, there's apostasy. There's apostasy. Apostasy is a falling away from the faith, turning from tooth tooth, turning from truth to fables. You know, sad thing is today, men cannot endure sound doctrine. God said they wouldn't. God said there's going to be time when people will not endure sound doctrine. Like, I don't like that. I don't want to hear it. I just want to love Jesus. And they don't want sound doctrine. And doctrine, it oftentimes, doesn't even matter to them. And I'm saying this. There's a lot of folks, I, I guess they're probably saved, maybe. They said they've asked Christ in their heart. But you know what? Saved folks ought to be concerned about Bible doctrine. A lot of false doctrine, false preachers around today. And uh, this new so-called Christianity speaks the language of faith. But the problem is they got all kinds of apostasy. You know, I, I read where someone said this. They said, probably the devil does more harm. Now listen to this carefully. The devil probably does more harm as an angel of light than he ever did as a roaring lion. You know, the Bible says about a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5 eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And we look at him and say, man, I saw a lion. I'm watching out for that, wouldn't you? Why, sure. And I, I, don't, I, you know, I, I know that he's looking, he's seeking to devour, and I don't know why people are so stupid they don't think it. I mean, there's been people that have jumped the fences in zoos to go out and be with the, with the lions. I'm thinking, how stupid is that? And Satan knows that there's enough folks that have enough, I, I would hope, enough sense not to go in with the lions. But you know what the devil does? He's smart. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and no marvel for Satan himself is tra transformed into an angel of light. A lot of churches today and a lot of Christians today are following that light, the light of Jesus Christ. Satan comes along as a light and is saying, hey, we've got something new in our new religion now. We've got something new that's different. And uh, what happens is a great falling away. And one of the reasons why the great falling away today is because of Bible doctrine. People don't know what it says. They don't know what the Bible tells them. But there's not only a falling away of Bible doctrine. There's also a falling away of Christian conduct. Christians ought to act like a Christian. You know I mean, I understand. 
You know why that, that ugly looking thing coming down the aisle I was telling you about? Good thing nobody got up and walked in uh, but, uh, or walked out. But it, yeah, that ugly thing that was walking down the aisle, the, the what was it again? What are they called? Drag queens. You, you know, I think, you, you know, that, 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 that is, we all understand how bad that is, but we understand that that's the bad conduct. Well, if there's bad conduct, there's the right kind of conduct too. Again, that's why I thank the Lord for folks who know how to behave in church. You are great people. Come on, you can say amen to that. I'll never say that again. You're great people. But you're great people. You know, every man that's come in here to preach in this pulpit has said that. He said, you've got a great bunch of people. You know what that is? They listen. There's not carrying on. People aren't eating Big Macs while you're preaching. It's amazing. We were in a church in, in, in California, and the people, they had sandwiches, and they had, they had Pepsis and everything else. They were drinking. It was like, you know, drive-through church inside. You know, we, we, need to, we need to learn how to, live, how, to, how to live our lives and have some Christian conduct. There are many church members today that are not even saved. People going to hell by way of church membership. You know, oftentimes out so when you find folks like that say, oh, I know I'm going to heaven. I belong to such and such church. Well, you can belong to all the churches in town and still die and go to hell. Jesus never saved anyone by church membership. Jesus saves people by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his precious blood. And, uh, and, and so there's a lot of church members that are not Christians and not really saved, but there's a lot of church members that are truly born again. But they're nothing more, and I put it this way, they're nothing more than a noun Christian. A noun is a word for somebody or for something. It, uh, uh, the noun is telling of the name. And the word Christian as a noun means that I'm a Christian and doesn't tell anything else. That's just what I am. I believe this. I think we ought to be adjective Christians too. We ought to be Christians that are describing what we are. Our lives ought to describe the term that God gives to us, Christians. If I'm a Christian and I name the name of Christ, I need to behave like it. I don't understand this, you know, the, the Hollywood group and the, and the country groups and all the different ones, you know. Man, I just love Jesus. I want to thank the Lord for this new bar. I dedicate it in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm like, for crying out loud, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? I'll tell you what they're talking about. They're talking about not having the right kind of Christian uh, 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 doctrines. They don't have the right Christian attitude. You know what? They have an apostasy. They come to something that is not real, not right according to the word of God. The word Christian is a noun and an adjective. We need more Christian Christians. But today the word Christian has many different definitions. Christians today are going to the dances. I believe it's still wrong to go dancing. Boys, the only dancing you ever do is if your daddy gets the belt out. You can dance all around then. I'll tell you what, I don't think Christians ought to go to the dance hall. Or, I don't know if they have dance halls anymore, but you don't need to be dancing. That's what the heathen do. Well, you know, churches now, they have a dance. I remember up town one time, a lady, lady wanted to put her kid in our school. And I said, where do you go to church? She said, uh, such such place. And I said, oh, I see. I said, well, I, she says, uh, could I meet with you? And that back in those days, you know, I was kind of, okay, I'll meet with you. And I said a certain time, she goes, well, I can't do it that night. My daughter's in dance school. <laughs> 
I thought, you're not coming to our school. Christians don't dance. Amen. Amen. And, I, and, I, and I thought, you know, here, here, here we are. Christians now are dancing. Christians are drinking. You know, it's like, well, so what? You know, Jesus drank wine. Come on. You understand what you're talking about? You understand what the Bible says? You say, take one little verse and you think that Jesus drank wine. He said, turn the water into wine. It was unfermented grape juice. It wasn't fermented wine. Well, you know, a little bit, a little bit won't hurt you. Yeah, I know, a little bit of marijuana won't hurt you. A little bit of, you know, cocaine won't hurt you. We're abstained from those things. We're Christians. You got Christians dancing and drinking and smoking cigarettes. I believe this. I remember hearing it when I was a kid. They said, if God intended for you to smoke, he'd put your nose on top of your head for a chimney. Amen. Amen. I don't understand that. You know, I see people out in the wintertime, Walmart and everywhere else, they're outside, they're freezing. You know what? You know, a person smokes cigarettes, what they are? They're a sucker. Amen. They're sucking on that weed. They're just a sucker. They're the ones. Get, and, and then all of a sudden, they got, they got all the disease of their throat, and they got all the coughing going on there, and they're wondering, they're all mad about it, and even suing the tobacco companies. Nobody twists their arm and make them smoke. In fact, there's a lot of churches down south right now where you go out there and they have ashtrays out on the porch for all the deacons when they smoke between Sunday school and church. God have pity on this kind of Christianity. So, preacher, well, this is kind of strange stuff. Well, it shouldn't be, and I'm sorry if it's strange to you. I should have said it more. But sadly, people don't see anything wrong with those things that I just mentioned. So carelessly living when we live in a world that is watching us and we see the world, how crazy it is, they ought to see at least the Christian is different. Now, there's one thing I'll have to say about the Mennonites. They don't mind being different. They're messed up on their doctrine. And they drive buggies when you can drive a car. That just tells you it's not right. <laughs> but isn't it amazing? They still don't worry about being different. In the wintertime there in those buggies, and you can't really see them all the fog in there. And again, stupid, why, why do that when you could drive a car? I mean, get a car and put steel wheels on it. They do it on their farm machinery. Put a steel wheel on it if that's your thing. But I'm like, you know, uh, they're, not, they're willing to be different. And again, I don't, I don't agree with their doctrine. I think they're dead wrong on that. But I'll say this. At least they're willing to take a stand for what they believe. Why don't we take a stand for what we believe instead of trying to be like the world? We're living a day of apostasy and creed and conduct and doctrine and in duty. And so we have anarchy in the world. We have apostasy in our churches and our people. And then there's that thing called apathy. That's my last point, apathy. Apathy is list, listlessness, indifference, complacency, lukewarmness, neither cold nor hot. It's the church becoming more like the world. And that's what's happening. And the world is becoming more churchy. They like to talk about God. I said about it. I want to thank the Lord for this, for this Emmy that I got. With all their foul language and their lifestyle. I don't get it. What people, man's trying to do is mix the old nature with the new. The Bible says, behold, we become a new create creature. A new creation. That means this. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. It's not all of a sudden adding to, it's being different. Our problem is this, we have an apathy, we don't care. 
We're living in a time when Americans are calling themselves hyphenated Americans. Oh, that gets under my crawl, doesn't it, you? So, well, I'm a hyphenated American. I am African American. I am uh, uh, Jewish American. I am, you know, Indian American Indian or whatever. You know what? You're either American or you're not. Amen. I'm Spanish American. You're either Spanish or you're American. I believe this. If, if you're hyphenated, you're not a real American. Amen. So, well, that's really strange. I know, I know what it is, but, you know, here, here, here's the thing. We're trying to mix everything, but I, I believe here, here's, here's the problem, too. You know, I, I believe there's not only the hyphenated Americans today, there's hyphenated Christians today. You know, hyphenated Christians today, hyphenated, it, it, it would be this, someone who's not loyal to the things of God. I'm a Christian, but, you know, I'm also a Christian smoker. I'm a Christian dancer. I'm a Christian drinker. I'm a Christian, you know, and, and all these things. A Christian who believes in, in, I've had these before. I'm a Christian, but I still believe in evolution. Hyphenated. I don't get it. A hyphenated, like I said, a hyphenated American is not a loyal American. A hyphenated Christian is not a loyal Christian. Paul, I think, was talking about, remember there he said about the, some of the people, we read about that in Corinthians there, some of the people said, I'm of Paul. And others said, I'm of Apollos. He was saying, you know, folks, you need to get over this here. You need, you need to understand you're to be of Jesus Christ. Just be a Christian. You know, there's no such thing as being a 50% Christian or a 60% or a 70% Christian. You say, well, I really don't want to go all the way. God expects all the way. Hey, when you got married, God expected that. And you did too. Can you imagine a guy getting married and says, honey, I want to marry you. You get up there and you say, will you take this woman? He says, I'll tell you what, I will give myself to her 90% of my time. I'll be faithful 90%. I'll tell you what, that's a pretty good percentage. 90 out of 100, not bad. No, we would all say something's wrong there. Well, what, what if the woman said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll be 50% for you and 50% for somebody else. I think best for you to do is walk out of, the, out of that service. You know, we as Christians ought to be sold out. How much? 100%. 100%. You know, I, I, believe, I believe God wants us to, to be that way. But you know what? I think we're something like what we find in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33. Go with me there real quick. Ezekiel, chapter 33. We'll go down to verse number 30. And I think we're see, we see this here as a little picture of what is happening even today. Ezekiel 33, verse 30. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and the doors of the houses, and speaking one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. Sounds like a good thing to do. Come and listen to what God has to say, right? I see these people saying, hey, come on down to church, man. We'll, you'll hear the word of God. And we can go to church. So, man, they talk. They, they tell us about the things of God. Verse 31, and they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people. They hear. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? They hear my words. But wait a minute. But they will not do them. For, their, for with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Look at verse 32. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument. 
for they hear thy words, but they do them not. He's saying, you know what they do? They come to church, and they come, and they listen to the truth, and to them, it's like a beautiful song that they heard. And you know, there's people like that. They'll go to church and say, man, that was a good sermon. I really like that, but it really doesn't change their life. I'm not here to entertain you tonight. I'm pleading with you tonight. And that's what these people were doing. You know, they were just, they were, they were listening to this. They heard what was said, but the Bible said they will not do them. I thought that sounds like modern day Christianity. People say, oh, I love the word of God. They don't even read the word of God, let alone even think to do what the word of God says. Sounds like modern day Christianity. I go back to Romans. What we read there in the beginning, verse number 11, and that knowing that time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. And by the way, we're almost done with the message, so wake up now. But it's high time to wake up. It's time to sit up and listen to what he's saying. It's high time to do this, to wake up. But here's the thing. We need to do more than just wake up. We need to get up. Amen. You ever wake up in the morning and just lay there? If you wake up, does that mean you got up? No. You lay there. I get up. I mean, my alarm in my brain goes off like at 5 o'clock, 4.30, quarter to 5, right in there every morning. I get up. And, I, and I, that's what I do. It, it goes off, you know, and I, and I look and I think, oh, I'm going to get up. Well, on, on Friday night, went to bed after Bible school. And uh, I woke up about 3.30. Now, it's too late. It's too early to get up yet. And I'm laying there and thinking, maybe I'll just sleep a little bit longer and then I'll get up. And I laid there. And all of a sudden, it's bright in the bedroom. I look at the clock. Oh, I feel like I'm confessing my sins. It was 7 o'clock. I mean, I woke up, I thought, it's lunchtime. <laughs> it was 7 o'clock. And I'm like, I mean, this is, you know, this is two hours normally later than I normally get up. I, Bible school wore me out. But you know why I went back to sleep? Because I didn't get up. I find out this morning, 5 o'clock, it was quarter to 5. Got up. Went in my office at the house there and going over my notes. Quarter to five. Here's the thing. I got up. It was fine. I did not fall back asleep. I didn't go back to sleep because I got up. So there's something more to it than just waking up. Many times we wake up and then we go back to sleep. Right? And you know, we oftentimes say, well, you know, it's high time to wake up. Yes, it's time for us to wake up. I'm saying this. Don't only wake up, but get up. and Do something for God. You know, sometimes we think, well, we're having revival in the church. And what oftentimes it is, is just us rolling over in bed. We woke up and roll over. You ever do that? I wake up and I go, oh, man, my, I'm, it's kind of hurting on this shoulder here. And so I roll over on the other side. That's not getting up. It's just rolling over, but there's motion. You know what? We better be careful. We're just going through the motions. We need to get up. As a preacher, I moved. I was laying on my right side. Now I'm on my left side. I was on my stomach and now I'm on my back. Better stop that. You'll snore more. You say, how do you know? None of your business. 
But the thing is, what happens? We, we have this idea because we move, there is action there. We're doing what's No, we're to wake up. The reason we wake up is to get up. There are a lot of people today, they, they wake up, and then what happens? They just go back to sleep, sleep for hours and hours, wake up and go back to sleep, sleep for hours and hours, and then they're tired because they've slept too much. You know, we just need to, Now, most of you probably have never had that happen to you before. But the thing is, I believe what God's saying here, he says we need to wake up and and then get up. Because you know when we get up is only really is then when we start put a, an end to the anarchy and the apostasy. Because when we get up, we're getting rid of the apathy. When I wake up and I don't do anything, I've got apathy. I don't care. I'm awake. Now I hope my boss understands I'm awake right now. That's <laughs> not going to do it. Your boss expects you to get up, doesn't he? Our heavenly, our heavenly Father wants us to get up too. I'm not saying you got to get up early in the morning like that. You have different sleeping hours. That's all right. But I'm saying this. You know what? God wants us spiritually to get up. Not just wake up, but get up. Because a lot of times we say, I know what I should do. That's woke. You woke up. But then to do it. You know, I've had this before where I get up and, and, and I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm still tired. Maybe I'll just lay here for a little bit. I'm just going to rest a little bit. And I, this is what happened, used to happen. I'd lay there and all of a sudden I'd fall back asleep. And that's what's happened to us Christians today. We said, preacher, I'm awake. And before you know it, you're off to sleep again when you ought to be getting up. What will put away the apostasy? What will put away the anarchy is when we put away our apathy. Then something could happen. We need to get up and get about our Father's business. You know, God's not waiting for a committee. God's not saying, all the committees, wake up and get up. He's saying, he's talking to us as individuals. So the message tonight is not just for Heritage Baptist Church. It's for every one of us in Heritage Baptist Church and everybody else that might be listening. God's looking for someone to open the door. Somebody to have an ear for God. And that somebody? Why? It's you and I. It's you and I. Let's not only wake up, let's get up. Do something for God. Father, thank you again for the time this evening. Thank you for these dear people tonight that have come out to church on a Sunday night. We've been here preaching this for quite a while now and Lord I pray help it sink in to us and help us to deal with it and help us to apply it in our life Lord help us tonight not only wake up but help us get up and do something for you with our heads bowed our eyes closed here this evening if you're not sure you're saved in a minute the invitation will take place you need to come and and need to get saved we'll have someone show you in the bible how you can know for sure you're going to heaven Christians tonight question number one are you awake are you spiritually sleeping? Wake up. But then when you wake up, get up. Or you'll waste your life away. Awake, but never got up. We're going to do something for the Lord. You know when we need to do it? Now. Now. Maybe tonight you ought to say, Lord, I, pro I promise you, I'm going to wake up, but I'm going to do more than that. I'm getting up. I'll do something for you. It may be that soul that needs to be saved. It may be something else in the church that you could do, something in your life that you could be a blessing to someone else. Wake up and get up. Now, Father, bless the invitation.
We turn it over to you. Lord, help us to make the right decisions tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.